This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. For those who love the comedies on Theater of the Mind, I got a real treat for you. Not one, but two favorite fun shows from the golden age of radio. Archie, the bartender, will deal with special guest Mickey Rooney on Duffy's Tavern. But right now, it's Fibber McGee and Molly supplying the laughs. This episode is entitled, Fibber Fixes the Radio. Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. Makers of Johnson Wax Products for Home and Industry present Fibber McGee and Molly, written by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie, with music by the King's Men and Billy Mills Orchestra. You know, it's not so long ago that Saturday was best known as bath day for the kids and baking day and floor scrubbing day for their mothers. But now you mothers are more fortunate on that floor business. Johnson's Glow Coat has moved that unpleasant chore back with the antiques. You'd never think of doing all that hard work again when with Glow Coat it's a cinch to have linoleum floors clean and sparkling all the time. Glow Coat saves work, first because it needs no rubbing or buffing. You simply apply and let dry. It saves work also because it's so easy to keep a glow-coated floor clean and beautiful. Spilled things are wiped up with a damp cloth in a jiffy. Besides saving you work, self-polishing glow-coat saves your linoleum, makes it last ever so much longer because it protects against dirt, wear, and moisture. And, of course, a beautiful floor protected with glow-coat makes your kitchen a more cheerful room to work in. People at 79 Wistful Vista have been having a little trouble with their radio. All week it's been going... (laughs) This morning, however, Mr. McGee made a couple of minor adjustments, and now it goes... But never one to give up until something is either fixed or ruined, he's still in there fighting as we meet... Fibber McGee and Molly. Sound any better now, Molly? 
If I wasn't so fond of you, dearie, I'd say that every time you touch that thing, it sounds worse. Well, I think I've located the trouble. I think it's got a grid leak. Hmm. Shall I get a pan to put under it? <laughs> <laughs> I guess you don't know much about electricity, Snooky. <laughs> what I mean is AC is uh, the AC is draining off into the DC. Now, let me see if I put this... Over. What on earth are you doing? I'm just feeling around inside this radio. I think possibly the condenser is... Yes! No! <laughs> what are you dancing around for? I don't hear any music. <laughs> Got a shock. My gosh, I just absorbed enough juice to light the city of Akron. Hey, you got any rubber gloves? No, no, I haven't. I sent the only pair I had to Cousin Letty. Hmm. She's going to work on a farm this summer, you know. Well, she needs rubber gloves for to work on a farm. Well, she punches little holes in the ends of the fingers with a needle. Yeah. Fills the glove with warm water and practices milking. <laughs> it's going to be a little confusing when she finds out a cow only has four fingers. <laughs> Oh, well, I guess I don't need it anyway. Now, let's see. Where's my pliers? In your left hand. Well, what did I do with my left hand? Oh, okay. <laughs> now, let's see. If I tighten this little dingus here. Oh, I'll bet that did it. Now, listen. And as Mr. Stalin says to the Yalta Conference. <laughs> my, my. Isn't Russian an interesting language? <laughs> I think maybe I better take the whole radio apart. Oh, dear. Unplug the plug out of the wall plug, will you? <laughs> Thanks. Now ah, to work. <clears throat> Here we go, laughing and scratching. I still think we ought to call a radio repairman, McGee. No, no, it'll take too long. There's an opera singer on tonight that I don't want to miss. Gloria Pizzicato. On that Gilly Garden Hose program. <laughs> <laughs> Why, she can't sing. Hmm? She's only on that program because her husband is Mr. Gilly. And she only married him because he manufactured hose. She not knowing it was garden hose. <laughs> She's positively the worst. Oh, hello, Alice. Hello, Mrs. McGee. Hello, Mr. McGee. Something wrong with the radio? Yeah, tubes burned out or something, Alice. Oh. Tuned in the Andrews sisters last night and could only get two of them. Oh. <laughs> uh, plug it in and let me hear it, Mr. McGee. Okay. I'll see if we can get that program Molly likes. Joyce Jensen, girl gopher hunter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the one. And as we leave Joyce Jensen, girl gopher hunter... That's it. ...trapped in the blazing reptile house at the zoo, where she has been lured by Ben Baxter, who is secretly trying to break the will of the dying Mortimer Fitzgerald, because he is secretly infatuated with Tracy Lammermore, whose father has been missing since the blueprints of the new battleship was stolen by Siegfried Schoenfeld, and that's who is secretly in love with Alice Greekfeather, who is Ben Baxter's secret mother. <laughs> We wonder how it will all come out. Tune in all day tomorrow and let your housework go straight to... <laughs> Sounds like your condenser was shot, Mr. McGee. <laughs> Sounded more like the announcer was, Alice. <laughs> and none too soon, either. One of these days, John's other wife is going to fall secretly in love with one of the quiz kids. And Clem McCarthy will get so excited, he'll bite H.B. Kaltenborn in the ankle. <laughs> well, I'll just check this radio all over, well, I guess. If I can help you any, Mr. McGee, I have my toolkit upstairs, and I'll be glad to run no, up... No, 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 thanks, kid. <laughs> I'll make out okay. This is man's work. Mm -hmm. I used to build radios, you know, back in Peoria. Indeed, he did, Alice. Betcha. Many's the oatmeal box I've held while he wraps wire around it. 
and then held it again while he unwrapped the wire and got his thumb out of it. <laughs> I built the first GA set in Fiori, Alice. What's a GA set? Get anything. <laughs> had 12 dials on that baby. Took up the whole mantle. <laughs> My father used to be a great radio fan in the early days. He'd sit there night after night with those headphones glued to his ears. Mm-hmm. Mother finally had to do something about it. What'd she do, Alice? She had to spank my little brother and hide the glue. <laughs> well, this isn't getting the radio fixed, girls. One side, please, while I make a mug out of Marconi. Well, I'll be glad to help you, Mr. McGee, if you want me to. I'm very happy. No, 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 no. Thanks, anyway. This is no job for a bent hairpin, kid. Well, all right. Just call me if there's anything I can do. Yeah. <laughs> Call her if there's anything she can do. I never saw a woman yet that didn't think a shingle nail was something to scratch herself with when you had the shingles. Oh. Now, let me see. Where's my tire tape? Uh, well, I think I saw it. Oh, I know. It's right here in the hall. Oh. These days, I gotta straighten out that clock. Billy Mills in the orchestra and sleigh ride in July. I think I know where the trouble is. You see this tube? Hold it up to the light. That's it. What do you see? A lot of little fine wires. Exactly. And naked as a boiled potato. No insulation on them. <laughs> Pretty shoddy workmanship, if you ask me. Well, uh, how do you get the little wires out of the tube to wrap them with the insulation? Break the glass. 
<laughs> yes, but maybe... And if them little wires were properly insulated, they don't need any glass around them, see? <laughs> Another thing is, here, you got to have these things... Hello, folks. Oh, hello, Mr. Wilcox. Hi, Junior. Fixing the radio? Now, there is an intelligent question. <laughs> got my hands full of tools and the radio scattered all over the joint, and he asked me, am I fixing the radio? No, Junior, I'm up on the roof, measuring the chimney for some new soot. <laughs> Don't be sarcastic, McGee It was a natural thing to ask Just uh, what was wrong with the radio, pal? Can't say exactly, Junior All I know is I don't get what I tune in for Well, some program you particularly want? Yes, he wants to hear that opera singer Gloria Pizzicato over WVIS Gloria Pizzicato? Yeah That babe couldn't hit high C with a bazooka I used to have a Model T Ford with a worn brake drum that could sing better than she can. <laughs> now, look here, Junior. Don't tell me who to listen to and who not to listen to and who to. Besides, I've heard you sing. And your lower register ain't fit to dry a pair of overshoes on. You got the rhythm of a spavined horse in a cobblestone alley and a tonal delicacy of a dentist drill. You must have trained with a busted windshield wiper for a metronome, accompanied by a sweet potato that was left too long in a damp basement. <laughs> oh, I could say more, but I don't want to hurt your feelings. Thanks. I guess McGee didn't know you used to sing in Chautauqua, Mr. Wilcox. Didn't you, pal? Sure. Thinks mules used to be in vaudeville, too. <laughs> but they took their last bow in a glue factory. <laughs> So if I want to listen to Gloria Pizzicato tonight, I'm going to listen to Gloria Pizzicato tonight. Catch on. Well, they're your eardrums, chum. Suit yourself. Say, uh, I know where you can get that fixed in no time. Where, Mr. Wilcox? My cousin's a radio repairman. Hmm? Big Freddie Wilcox. At 14th and Oak. Oh, my God. Say, incidentally, you know what Freddie told me about a radio? What'd he tell you, son? A very interesting thing. Parlor trick, sort of. Uh -huh. He says, if you turn your radio on, and while it warms up, you talk into the speaker and turn it off. It will play your own voice back to you when you turn it on again. Well, heavenly days. I never heard that before. Here, let's try it. Turn it on. Okay. Now, I'll talk into it fast, shut it off, and turn it back on again and hear my own voice repeat what I said. Isn't this fun? No. Go ahead, Junior. Talk to it. Okay. <clears throat> this is Harlow Wilcox speaking. Big Harlow Wilcox. Oh, oh, yes. This is Big Harlow Wilcox speaking for the makers of Johnson's Wax. Closer into the speaker, Harlow. All right. I am just reminding you again that Johnson's Wax is the finest protection money can buy for your floors, furniture, woodwork, picture frames, leather goods, and a hundred other things you want to guard from dust and dampness, scratching and smudging. Better cut it short, Mr. Wilcox. This is a very dumb radio and won't remember very much of what you said. <laughs> remember Johnson's Wax when you want to protect your fine possessions against dryness and dampness, wear and tear, use and abuse. Now, shut it off. Quick, pal. Now, on again. Huh? I don't hear a thing. Well, I'll be darned. What do you know about that? I don't know anything, Waxy. <laughs> but I suspect a plenty. I got a sneaking suspicion. That I you just told Freddy I didn't think it would work, but he kept insisting and insisting. Mm. I'm going down and tell him right now. See you later, folks. And I never thought. I never caught on. After all these years, I never caught on. Well, now, look, dearie, if you intend to hear Gloria Pizzicato on that radio tonight, you'd better start getting the real snook wired back into the audio hoosis or something. Oh, my gosh, I guess I better have it that. Hey, I just got an idea what might be wrong with this thing. What's that? Uh, this wire here is marked ground. You see? Yeah. Well, all the time we've had it fastened to the radiator. <laughs> 
that radiator is eight feet off of the ground if it's an inch. No wonder the darn Well, thing you was... do it your own way, sweetheart. But I hope you get the radio fixed before Roosevelt's next inauguration. Hmm? I haven't missed one since I was a child. <laughs> Well, I've got to go out in the kitchen and see how Beulah's coming along with the dinner. Okay. Now, ah, there goes a good kid. She knows when it comes to repairing a radio, I don't know an aerial from a real set. But does she say anything? No, sir. <laughs> but does she think things? <laughs> Brother, you got no one? Come in. Oh, hello there, Teeny. Rest your rompers on the rug there and watch Uncle Fibber set the radio industry back 15 or 20 years. What you doing, mister? What you doing? Watch you. To the world at large, sis, I'm fixing the radio. But strictly between us kids, I wish I knew. <laughs> I love to listen to the radio, I bet you. I like Bing Crosby. He, he sends me. <laughs> well, I wish he was here now. I'd ask him to do it. <laughs> See, if I move the octostat near the flanellium here, it ought to make the variations more sanitized. Hey, I wish I was smart enough to take a radio all apart. You, huh? Hmm? I says you do, eh? You what? You wish you were smart enough to take a radio apart. I know, huh? And, and if I was that smart, I'd be too smart to do it, I bet you. Oh, yeah? Well, if you're so smart... Who makes the radio work, mister? What does? Hmm. Will you explain it to me, mister? Will you please? Hmm? Why, team? Do you mean to sit there with your little pigtails on the wrong end of the little pig? <laughs> and tell me you don't comprehend the nature of the wireless? Uh, no. <laughs> Close your mouth and open your eyes and I'll tell you something to make you eyes. Now then, what happens when you turn on your radio? It makes it kind of a little quick and then the little light turns on. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And way out in the ether, Mother Nature hears that little click. Oh. And quick's a flash, she calls in all her little kills and megs and says, Radio turned on at 14th and 0th. Whistle this thing. And all the little ki- kills hop onto their killer cycle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and all the little megs hop onto their megacycles. And they race away as fast as their little fat wavelengths will carry them. Um, you know what a wavelength is, sis? Sure I do, I betcha. Five feet two. I figure that. My sister is a wave and that's her length. <laughs> Well, sir, all them little kills and megs ride along on their kilocycles and megacycles till they see that little light that shines in your radio. Oh. Yes, sir, and then they hop off and into the back of the radio. That's why they always leave the back part of a radio open. <laughs> and quick to wink, they decide who's going to be music, who's going to be dialogue, and who's going to be announcers. And if any little meg or little kill has got a bad cold, they let him be the static. <laughs> well, sir... Then you hear the music, and the dialogue, and the commercial, which is when everybody turns the radio down and rushes out into the kitchen for a bottle of root beer before the music comes on again. <laughs> Boy, that was a wonderful story, mister. <laughs> I thought so. Gee, poor Mr. Marconi. What do you mean, poor Mr. Marconi? To think he spent his whole life laboring under the delusion that radio was based upon the utilization of electromagnetic waves, converted into electrical impulses known as audio frequency currents and amplified by means of the vacuum tube through a diaphragm or loudspeaker. Gee, if he had only known. Ha, ha, poor Mr. Marconi. <laughs> the King's Man singing leaves the dishes in the sink, Ma. Ha. 
Paul started running when he heard the whistle blow. The postman brought a letter, an airmail from our Joe. It says he'll soon be home again from far across the blue. And Paul took off his apron and hollered out, Yee-hoo! Leave the dishes in the sink, Ma, leave the dishes in the sink. Every place will have to wait tonight, we're gonna celebrate. where it'll just get ruined peeling potatoes and apples. Yeah. Oh, Beulah! Beulah! Somebody ball for Beulah? <laughs> hey, Beulah, bring me a small knife, will you? I gotta slice some wire. Is there something go bluey with the radio focus? Yes, Beulah, and Mr. McGee wants to get it fixed in time to hear Gloria Pizzicato tonight. Gloria Pizzicato? Oh, man, that gal... That gal got a voice like making a bed with broken fingernails. When she sings, it makes a half stand up on a scrub brush. We won't discuss my musical taste, Beulah. No, sir. Excuse me, sir. Well, it's a good thing we won't, dearie. I happen to know that your idea of fine music is hearing the curse of an aching heart played on a musical song. Oh, yeah. Well, I like imitations of a locomotive played on a banjo, too. <laughs> and believe me, that ain't easy. You mean it ain't easy to like for? I mean it ain't easy to play it. Oh. Uh, you said you played the piano, didn't you, Beulah? Yes, ma'am, but not so much anymore. Housework and the hot chai ain't strictly compatible. 
<laughs> Music is like second pocket. Oh, you gotta keep your head in or you don't get no place. <laughs> You can say that again. Yeah, so music is like picking pockets. Got no, 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 beauty. <laughs> he, uh, he means you're right. Oh, thank you, sir. And you wishes me to bring you out a little parent knife? Yes, if you'll be so good as to. <laughs> when I get through with this radio bill, it'll tune so fine you can hear Mr. District Attorney filing a brief. Yeah, Mr. <laughs> District Attorney filing a brief. What is the mail <laughs> <laughs> I love that man. <laughs> Look, dearie, I won't mention it again after this, but uh, why don't you just toss all those parts into a pillowcase and haul them down to a radio repairman? No, sir, I can handle this with... Just a knife, sir. Thank you, Beulah. Ah, now I can get someplace. Let's see. Ugh. Oh, my gosh. When were these things sharpened last? I'd hate to be trapped in a cobweb with only these knives on me. Well, I'm glad you noticed that, Pat. You've been promising to sharpen those knives ever since we... Come in. Hello, Molly, my dear. Oh, come in, Dr. Gamble. Hi, Doc. Hello, my boy. Well, what are you up to now? My clavicle in this radio. (laughs) Pull up a chair and I'll show you a few of the finer points of radiotronics, Gamble. Finer points of what? Radiotronics. Spell it. Skip it. The radio has been acting up, Doctor I wanted to send it to a repairman But himself here thought it was a waste of money Oh, it is, my dear It is a waste of money Sure Unless, of course, you plan to use the set again sometime (laughs) I suppose you're throwing this one away When a little fumblefoot gets through playing with it What do you mean, throw it away? Stick around, wise guy, and I'll show you how Hey, you got your satchel there? Let me have a scalpel in, will you? Why, certainly Hey, I'm a boy. Yeah. Although if you're planning on cutting your throat in despair, let me do it. I'm a doctor, you know. We learn how to do those things neatly. And besides, you... hey, what are you doing with that? Give me that scalpel. Okay, okay, take it, Indian giver. I was just trimming those wires down to fit. My best scalpel. Of all the unmitigated, colossal, my $12 scalpel. Well, that's what you get for lending your stuff around promiscuously, you big stoop. You're not supposed to lend your surgical tools to a guy who's not a doctor anyhow. You know how septic people are. You could get in trouble with the AMA for that. Why, of all the... I ought to... Oh, all right, I asked for it. Anybody who lends you anything without keeping one hand on it ought to have it ruined. That's what... To what? Oh, oh, plug it in over there, Doc. Okay. Now get a load of how a radio ought to sound after a good overhaul. Get a load of this reception. Very good. (laughs) That's the same kind of reception he gets when he walks into the Elks Club, Molly. Oh, take it easy, you old buckethead. My guys, I just got to... Say, Mr. McGee. Oh, hello, Dr. Gamble. Uh, Say, Mr. McGee, maybe I could help a little with that radio if you want me to. Don't worry about it, Alice. We can get a repairman. Oh, I don't mind, Mrs. McGee. I just thought maybe I could help. Sounded to me a little while ago like the condenser is improperly wired. Maybe it's crossed with a transformer. Condenser? You're thinking of an icebox, Alice. This is a radio. You're thinking of a compressor on an icebox, Mr. McGee. I said the condenser. Yeah, but I don't think... Why don't you let her look at it, you noisy little feedback? She at least knows more than you do about it. Which would be nothing at all. Okay, then. Go right ahead, Alice. You two know all about radios. Go ahead. Fix it up. I'm through. Well, jeepers, I don't want to... I mean... Go ahead. Go ahead. I'll just sit over here. I'm I'm sure it won't take but a minute. I work on radio sets all day long at the airplane time. Mm -hmm. Hmm, I think you've got the condenser hooked into series with the amplifier tube. Huh? 
Uh, what, what that does is build up a charge in the resistor tubes and screwdriver, please. Uh, oh, oh thank you. And, and when it attains sufficient ohmage, it develops a squeal. So I'm, I'm changing the wiring so that the grids alternate with the resistors and so the condenser can function properly. And ah, there we are. Now try it. Clear as a bell. Shuck, she only did what I was starting to do. <laughs> only she's got smaller hands. She can reach in farther. Oh, hey, it's time. Get Gloria Pizzicato. It's time for her to be on. W-B-I-S, Alice. Oh, all right. Here. Pizzicato with her first number this evening, Why Do I Love You? Ah, just got it in time. the idea, McGee? I thought you wanted to hear Gloria Pizzicato. Of course I did. If I didn't hear her, how would I know when to shut her off? <laughs> I hate that woman. I shut her off every night. Thanks very much, Alice. Don't mention it, ever. Alice had left over, McGee. Throw them out. We'll be thankful we haven't got a television set. Why? Imagine getting that put back together and having three faces, two bodies, and a piccolo left over. Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah. Good night. Good night, all. This is Harlow Wilcox, speaking for the makers of Johnson Wax Finishes for Home and Industry, inviting you all to be with us again next Thursday night. Good night. This is the National Broadcasting Company. As promised, stay tuned for Duffy's Tavern next on Theater of the Mind. Time now to belly up to the bar at Duffy's Tavern. Hello, Duffy's Tavern. Where do you leave me to eat? Archie, the mind you speaking. Duffy ain't here. Hello, Duffy. Uh, tonight, uh, Mickey Rooney. Yeah, that's the guy. Short, freckled, blonde hair, pug nose. <laughs> Sort of a Van Johnson at half mass. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of a guy. And in fact, they tell me when two grasshoppers meet, one says to the other, I ain't seen you since you was knee high to Mickey Rooney. That's <laughs> right. His size is a bit of a problem, too, you know, especially in Hollywood. Well, you know, he's too short to be a lover and too tall to be a producer. <laughs> Uh, coming down to the tavern tonight to star in a new television show I'm writing. Uh, television, Duffy, you know, uh, TV, or uh, as they call it in the trade, uh, voodoo. <laughs> huh? Well, Duffy, let me put it this way. You know the saying, uh, vaudeville is dead? Well, television is where you watch the funeral. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I think, Duff, uh, Duffy, I think Looney should be great for television. Well, sure, you know, uh, they got them little seven-inch screens. <laughs> He's a natural. 
Well, look, Duffy, I'm busy now. I'll call you back. Uh, hey, Archie, what's this about you writing a television program? That's right, Miss Duffy. I'm going to get into television while it's still in its infancy. What are you trying to do, stun its growth? <laughs> Besides, what do you know about writing television? What's to know? I wrote radio plays. Uh, television is exactly the same, except you dub in the faces. <laughs> well, if you take my advice, you'll forget television and stay right here where you got a steady job and a security of $15 every week. <laughs> you call that security, Miss Duffy? I've had me back to the wall so long, the handwriting is on me. <laughs> Now, look, Miss Duffy, I, uh... Oh, hell, Miss Duffy. Oh, hey, did you hear him? Hey, did you hear that? <laughs> There's no reason you shouldn't hear it twice. You read two newspapers, don't you? Uh, Eddie, may I repeat? Yeah, uh, go ahead. the news, Archie's writing for television. Ooh, ain't they having enough trouble? <laughs> look, don't laugh television off, Eddie. It's a big thing, and... In fact, I often wonder how people ever got along without it. I don't know. Just lucky, I guess. <laughs> Eddie, from the tone of your inference, I gather you don't like television. Oh, it's all right while well, you're sitting at a bar watching it. <laughs> Just that I don't like the after effects. <laughs> you mean the eye strain. No, the hangover. <laughs> yeah, you're right, Eddie. Personally, I'll still take radio. Radio? Miss Duffy, I see you're still living in the Middle Evil Ages. <laughs> Why don't you get up to date and realize that the future always progresses the past? We've got to advance. The television is to radio what the caliper is to the old-fashioned slide rule. What does that mean? With a thought that deep, one does not stop to analyze <laughs> Well, tell me, deep one. <laughs> Who's going to act in this show of yours? Only Mickey Rooney. Mickey Rooney! Now, look, lay off. I need him for the show, and there ain't enough of them to go around. <laughs> You're so both put out of here, I'd like to finish the script now. Let's see. Uh, act two. Our hero enters. He's a man of the world. Handsome. Dashing. Debonair. An amused smile plays about his intelligent face. <laughs> he speaks. Hello, Finnegan. Uh, what you doing? I'm uh, writing a play uh, for uh, TV. <laughs> That's nice. TV who? It ain't a hoop, Finnegan. Uh, TV is uh, slang for the idiom. Uh, oh. In other words, uh, well, what is it that people go into the living room for every night and turn out the lights and uh, watch for hours? The dame next door. <laughs> oh, no. Look, I'm talking about a different kind of entertainment, television. Oh, 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 God. Uncle Louie's got one of them things. Oh, yeah? You like to watch it? I can't make up my mind, Arch. Uh, I don't get to see much of it, thanks to me sister. How come? Well, Uncle Louie's set's got a seven-inch screen, and me sister's got a 12-inch head. <laughs> well, in that case, why don't you sit in front of your sister? That's where me Uncle Horace sits. Well, if he's sitting in front of her, how can she see? Well, she can see. You know Uncle Horace. Oh, yeah, the one with the hole in his head. 
Yeah, yeah. He thinks television is wonderful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, by the way, uh, what's this television show that you're writing on? Well, it's sort of a soap opera. I wish you wouldn't use that word. Opera? No, soap. <laughs> Every time I mention that word around the house, my old man washes my mouth out with dike. <laughs> uh, well, I'll tell you what To make your old man happy, I'll change it I'll write a third opera oh, again. Hi, Arch Well, Joe Moran Hey, Joe, you're a radio guy What do you think of television? I don't know I don't drink <laughs> I think I'll send that to Fred Allen <laughs> But, uh, I asked you a question. Uh, well, frankly, Arch, I think television is going to kill the motion picture business. <laughs> I thought the motion pictures did that themselves. <laughs> That's very, very funny. Mind if I send that to Fred Allen? Where do you think I got it? <laughs> well, uh, anyway, when I'm driving that, Joe, you know I'm uh, writing a television show. Oh? Well, when does it start? Well, as soon as I find a sponsor. Uh, a sponsor, huh? Yeah, you know, a censor with money. <laughs> <laughs> well, any chance of a job in this show, Arch? Acting? Yeah. Well, it could be, but uh, would you mind first giving me an audition? Oh, not at all. I'd like to make sure that you can run the gimlet of emotions. <laughs> uh, now, now uh, let me see your register, for instance, uh, love. You know, like Charles Boyer. It's... Okay. Uh, toujours l'amour, Trouchet. Uh, uh, had they come with me to the drugstore, I will shower you with Trouchet. The creamy, fragrant hand lotion that keeps hands feeling smoother, looking lovelier. This is the hottest lover since Lanny Ross. <laughs> Look, Joe, <clears throat> try another one. See what you can do with sorrow. Okay, get a load of this. Oh, please, don't take away my bottle of Truchet. What would I do without it? It's different from other hand lotions. Because it has a unique beforehand extra that protects hands from chapping. Well, how's that for sorrow, Arch? Pretty sorry performance. <laughs> Would you like to try for fright? Okay. <laughs> Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. As long as Suchet is on your hands, before you do dishes or go outdoors, you're guarded against chapping. Water chapping as well as weather chapping. Well, Arch, how was that for fright? (laughs) Frightful. (laughs) Well, Arch, you mean my acting leaves something to be desired? It leaves something, Joe, but it ain't to be desired. (laughs) Hey, wait a minute. Excuse me, Joe. Eddie, Eddie, look who just come in. Mickey Rooney. There, walking in under the swinging doors. <laughs> Eddie, watch me flatter the guy. <laughs> well, Jerry Cooper. Now, <clears throat> well, how are you, tall in a saddle? <clears throat> wait a minute, wait a minute, just a minute, Arch. I'm Mickey Rooney. Mickey Rooney. Well, how time flies upwards. Uh, Tell me, Mick, uh, what's new with you? I don't know. I haven't read the gossip columns today. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta send that to Fred Allen. (laughs) 
Well, Mick, it certainly is good to have you down here to the tavern. Tell me, uh, how come you never visited us before? Well, up to now, Arch, my studio has been very strict with me. Yeah, huh? Uh, what do you mean? Well, my contract says I can't bail out of a plane, jump into a volcano, or go over Niagara Falls in a barrel, or be seen in Duffy's Tavern. <laughs> Think I'll send that one to Milton Boyle. <laughs> Tell me, Mickey, uh, speaking of television, as we do in circles, uh, <clears throat> is it true that uh, true what they say in Hollywood? Uh, what's that? Uh? That the movie business is falling apart? Arch, if things get any worse, the studios are going to produce the popcorn and hand out the pictures in the lobby. That's what. <laughs> yeah. Things are pretty desperate out there in Hollywood, huh? Desperate? Do you want to know a secret? What? Do you know what they're planning to do? What? Turn out good pictures. <laughs> no. Mick, they wouldn't dare. It's the last resort. Mm. Well, I guess it's what they say is true. There's no business in show business. Uh, <laughs> but you're a trooper, Mick. You ain't got nothing to worry about. Uh, incidentally, how did you ever start in show business anyhow? Well, that goes back a long time, Arch. You see, when I was a baby, Mom and Dad wanted to find out what I was best suited for. Uh -huh. <laughs> so right after I was born, they had the nurse give me a test. Test, right? uh, yeah. On one side of me, she put a doctor's satchel, and on the other side, a lawyer's briefcase. Why did you reach for The nurse. <laughs> I see, so uh, they decided to make you an actor then, huh? Yeah, uh, yeah, that's right. I, I went into vaudeville with my mom and dad. Yeah, huh? How old was you then? Uh, two years old. Two years, and what'd you do before that? <laughs> Well, Arch, to tell the truth, I just loafed a little bit. <laughs> but those were the days, good old vaudeville, the Chinese jugglers, the tightrope walkers, uh, Weber and Fields. <laughs> yeah, Gallagher and Sheen, Hamaker and Schlemmer. <laughs> I used to love them, Max. You know, I often wonder whatever happened to them corny old vaudeville jokes. You really want to know? Yeah. I sent them to Fred Allen. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I was just... <clears throat> well, Edward G. Robinson... <laughs> And again, it's Mickey Rooney. Arch, it's Edward G. Robinson. I'm telling you, it's Mickey Rooney. Okay, we'll ask him. Hey, bud, who are you? Never mind who I am, see? I'm the fellow that asked the questions around here, see? This is my territory, see? Ah! Ah! <laughs> You're right, Arch. It's Mickey Rooney. <laughs> Mickey, there's an idea. Them dialects of yours, they're perfect for television. Me, me, Arch, on, on television? Well, certainly. You see, the way I figure it, them uh, television audiences are uh, tired of wrestling and hockey. They're, they're crying for something else to get tired of. Uh... <laughs> well, uh, tell me, what are you going to give them? You. <laughs> now, how would you like to play the lead in a daytime soap opera? How would you like a poke in the eye with a sharp stick? <laughs> now, look, don't make no hasty decisions. There's room for good acting in television, you know. It's, it's a medium where, if anything is well done, it's rare. <laughs> <laughs> you can send that one back to Pick and Pat, too. Can't you? <laughs> look, Mick, please, don't be jovial about this. You've got your future to think of. You know, uh, you've been around a long time now, and you ain't getting no taller, kid. <laughs> Please, uh, don't pass this up. Don't be a schmo, you know. There's a lot of room in television for tall, handsome, good-looking types like yourself. Ah, that did it. 
The schmo must go on. Well, Mickey, did you read the me television script? Yeah. Uh-huh. What'd you think of it? It should happen to Butch Jenkins. <laughs> We're saving him for the Hardy family. <laughs> this, uh, <laughs> this thing just, uh, this thing just uh, it just looks bad on paper. Uh, where do you hear it? <laughs> now, uh, leave us run through it. You see, in the first scene, you play a married man. By the way, you've been married, ain't you? <laughs> Arch, pound for pound, I'm the most married guy in Hollywood. <laughs> That'll help you handle a part. Now, uh, you're the husband, uh-huh. and uh, Finnegan is your rival. Finnegan is the rival. I say, well, who finally wins the girl, Archie? Uh, you do, the husband. Who plays the girl? You do. I'll play the rival. <laughs> look, Mitch, in television, they all look like that. Uh, okay, we'll, uh, we'll switch it around. You play the rival, Mickey. Now, places, everybody. Uh, Mr. Melnick, uh, Frampere, please. Thank you. Okay. Now, Eddie, uh, you exit from the left and read the opening announcement there. Ladies and gentlemen, to those of you who are watching this television program at home, I say greetings. And to those of you who are watching it in bars, I say order double. You'll need it. Please, just read what's wrote there, will you? Now, the director of our voodoo playhouse, Mr. Cecil B. D'Archie, our head, <laughs> the head billion. Hey, hey, thank you, thank you. Uh, thank you. Uh, good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America and all the ships at sea. Tonight... <laughs> Tonight we bring you another episode in the true life story of lovable old John and his pretty young wife, lovable old Mary. (laughs) A story that asks the question, can two people in love find happiness? As our scene opens, John, a brilliant young banker, unexpectedly returns home from his office to find his wife, Mary, making love to the Iceman. (laughs) A typical American family. As our story begins, we find lovable old Mary speaking to lovable old John. What's the idea coming home so early, you jerk? Uh, good evening, Mary. Uh, Mary, don't think me suspicious, but why is that baby hat hanging in the hallway? Uh, I'm taking trombone lessons. <laughs> Well, uh, what about them ice tongs on the couch? Ice tongs? Uh, I borrowed them from a neighbor. I lost my eyebrow tweezers. <laughs> uh, 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 Mary, would you think me suspicious if I just asked one more question? What is it? What are you doing on the ice man's lap? <laughs> John, you mean you put two and two together? <laughs> yeah, and it adds up to... Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, John, but I've loved him for years. Loved him for years. 
You mean all this time you've been cold to me? You've been warming up to the Iceman? John, John, let's be civilized about this. Let's not make a scene of it, shan't we? Uh, Mary, it's too late. We gotta have a showdown. Iceman, tell me, do you love Mary? I'm asking you. Speak now or forever hold my wife. Mickey, that's your cue. Give out with a love scene, like Clark Gable. Oh. Okay, uh, can you give him the cue again? Uh, Iceman, do you love my wife? All right. All right, you ask him. I'm going to tell you, sure, I love your wife. I love her, do you hear? That's the way it is, and that's the way it's going to be, brother. Why, you, you cat, take your cold hands off of her. John, I'm afraid it's too late. You mean... His hands are no longer cold. <laughs> and I'm leaving you. Do you hear? <laughs> you, you might as well be a man about this, lovable Judd. I'm taking Mary away with me. Away, do you hear? The lovable old Mary... Is this true? Yes, lovable old John. <laughs> this is the end. The bitter? The bitter. <laughs> uh, well, it had to happen to somebody. Good luck to you. Well, so long, sucker. I hope there's no hard feelings. <laughs> sucker, huh? Little does he know I didn't pay the ice bill. Thank you. And now, now that Mary has run away with the Iceman, what will happen to John? Will he find new happiness with the refrigerator? <laughs> Only time will tell. But first, a word from one of our sponsors. Folks, as you know, we're celebrating National Eat-A-Plate-A-Rutabagas Week. <laughs> For robust and vigorous health, try Colucci Rutabagas, the rutabaga with the pedigree. <laughs> One single helping of Colucci Rutabagas contains more iron than the double bed spring. <laughs> and it's twice as delicious. <laughs> so remember, if it's iron that your system lacks, Fill your stomach with rutabaga and listen to the clink. <laughs> and above all, remember our sponsor's jingle. A. Avocado. B. Boiled potatoes. C. Succotaceous. And B. C. And folks, back to our smell of vision. Uh <laughs> I'll ignore it. <clears throat> And now back to our story. The scene is 20 years later. Lovable old John has sank lower and lower. He has tried everything to forget. He's drifted from job to job. Western Union boy. Song plugger. Lighthouse keeper. General in a South American army. But all the time his mind was elsewhere. In desperation... He finally tried the want ads. And that was how John became a doctor. As luck would have it, Mary, in the meantime, had became a nurse. Our next scene is in the hospital. 
The head of this hospital is the famous Dr. Gillespie, played by Mickey Rooney. That's you. I, I thought I was the Iceman. We're short of actors. As our scene continues, there is a patient waiting on the operating table as Dr. Gillespie speaks. Now, see here, Nurse Mary. I want you to prepare this patient for surgery. Looks like it's going to be a very delicate operation. Then, then only you can operate, Dr. Gillespie. You, with those skillful, highly trained, sensitive surgeon's hands. Will you do it? No, hang it all. On my last operation, I seem to have sewed my fingers together. <laughs> I'll find out, nurse. Is there a doctor in the house? <laughs> I say, is there a doctor in the house? Oh, I am a doctor. <laughs> you, uh, you are a doctor? Uh, yes. I am lovable old Dr. John. <laughs> nice, have you got the scalpel? Yes, doctor. What does it read? <laughs> Which is down to 108. 108? That's pretty low. We better put him back in the sun. <laughs> uh, but first, let me look at the patient. Yay, Hossifats. It can't be. Who? My rival, the Iceman. Yes, there was the Iceman on the operating table. <laughs> Lovable old Dr. John's hated rival that had took his wife away. What should John do? What would you do? In Dr. John's trembling hand was a scalpel, sharp as a surgeon's knife. <laughs> One tiny slip of this scalpel, and the operation might be a success. <laughs> Dr. John moves slowly toward the operating table. He looks down at his helpless victim, his mind racing blindly. Slowly, he raises his scalpel. And then... But first, a word from our sponsor. <laughs> If you sticking on kicking the bucket, <laughs> see Captain, it's the smiling undertaker. Ask him about his free trial plan. <laughs> Only 20 easy payments. Folks, here's your chance to drop dead and save money. <laughs> and remember our slogan, have a Cavendish funeral while you are still young enough to enjoy it. <laughs> and now, back to our television play. Thank you, Eddie Green. <laughs> Scalpel poised in midair, Dr. John hesitates as he faces the most momentous decision of his life. He thinks of Mary and the Iceman. And words from the past streak up to his sub-unconsciousness. <laughs> I'm taking Mary away with me. Away, do you hear? Yes, John, and I'm leaving you. Do you hear? <laughs> <laughs> Dr. John, snap out of it. Uh, uh, what's the matter, Doctor? Hearing voices? Yeah, but don't worry. I hear them all the time. <laughs> well, tell me, have you made up your mind, my boy? Will you operate? Uh, yes. Even though the Iceman is my hated rival... Oh, still operating. Ah, uh, stout fellow. Doctor? Yeah? Shall I boil the instrument? No, let's just fry him for a change. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. John? Yes? Dr. John, we'd better hurry. The patient seems to have trouble with his breathing. I'll soon put a stop to that. <laughs> Quick, nurse. Quick, ether. Ether. Ah, oh, that clears me head. <laughs> Now, 
Now, give some to the patient. <laughs> Dr. Gillespie? Yes. Sponge. Sponge. Cotton. Cotton. Scissors. Scissors. Ouch. Sorry. <laughs> Bandage. Bandage. It's a tense moment. Dr. John begins the operation. First, he sutures the hemostat. <laughs> then, his sensitive fingers working swiftly but carefully, he stitches a hole in the epidermis and skewers up the dorsal fin. <laughs> Finally, Dr. John speaks. Uh, gentlemen, the patient will walk again. You mean the operation was a success, my boy? Yep, but I never seen a waste case of tonsils. <laughs> oh, oh, Dr. John, you're wonderful. Well, I did. Wait, that voice. Nice. Take off that mask. But I'm not wearing a mask. <laughs> Mary, it's you! Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, we wrap up the week with Escape, followed by Father Knows Best. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.